Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. How are you guys doing out there today? Oh my goodness, it's a good day in DFW. At least I think so. I hope you're doing good as you are... um, Maybe driving home from work, maybe on 635 in a traffic jam. I don't know, probably in 635 on a traffic jam. 635 drives me nuts. Um, but God bless you today. I miss you guys. I have been gone. I've been out working myself, traveling around, took a little vacation in there. And we have gotten the messages and the emails of when are you coming back? Because y'all don't like replays. <laughs> That's what we've learned in the last couple of weeks. Dan, they don't like replays. They're not into it. But you know what? Sometimes mama needs a break, if you know what I'm saying. Um, I, I am so, so pumped about our guest today. And I really do feel like this is a divine appointment um, that we have. I've been traveling around. I was in D.C. uh, doing some work. I was in New York doing some work and um, was really, man, I became so passionate about really everything that our guest today talks about in his new book that just released. We're going to get to him in just a second. Um, I just want to tell every one of you guys, thanks for your support um financially you know we are listeners supported over here and y'all have really stepped up and i also want to say um we are listener supported so <laughs> if god sort of puts it on your heart to give to the autumn miles show you go to my website autumnmiles.com and there's a donate button you can click you can do a reoccurring payment or one time payment um because that is how we stay on the air Thank you guys so much. Those of you that have stepped up and give, it's, it, given, it's because of your faithfulness and your sacrifice. A lot of times it's our sacrifice um, when we give uh, that, that has allowed us to continue to speak bold truth and raw faith. Y'all know I'm all about bold truth and I'm all about raw faith over here. And our guest today is, is one that I think is going to speak directly into that. His name is Caleb Coltenbach. Um, he is a pastor, author of the new book, God of Tomorrow, How to Overcome the Fears of Today and Renew Your Hope in the Future. It just released in May. Um, uh, and he's he's really, I believe, touching on where Christians need to be in this cultural conversation and climate that we find ourselves in. So, Caleb, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. And it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I, I you know, I really ca- uh, count it in honor. Um, in uh, we talked a little bit before we went on air. You know, I have been um, in New York City and in Washington D.C. and um, have just really become very passionate about being. Being who we are supposed to be as believers in the political climate that we find ourselves in, in the social climate that we find ourselves in, um, why is it that I can sit down and talk to people that have completely different views than I have 
and walk away and be best buddies. That is how we need to approach some of these issues um, that we that we find ourselves in. We need to approach it with love, with hope. And your book speaks to that. So I want to hear all about it. Talk to me about your heart behind uh, God of Tomorrow. Well, my heart is that we would uh, boldly and graciously engage society. And I think that uh, too many Christians believe in a false dichotomy. They believe that either our only option when it comes to society and our faith is to um, attack a broken society and pile pain on top of pain, Mm. or to surrender our beliefs and to align our beliefs with society so that there's no tension there. But that doesn't work either, because (laughs) society's always changing, people are always changing, and I just think that uh, we will always be changing our beliefs. And I think there's a third option, and the third option is to invest in people and engage society. And I think that we can lovingly engage society, and we can believe that people have value, and that their value is not defined by their political beliefs or their relationship choices or anything like that. I believe that people have intrinsic value because God created them. And unfortunately, we live in an age where people are afraid, and we normally fear things that we don't understand and Mm -hmm. that make us feel out of control. We fear people and circumstances that make us feel out of control and that we don't understand. But really, I wrote the book because when you look at Jesus and Peter and Paul, they lived in a more brutal society than we did. And yet, they still offered hope to people of their day. And I think we can do the same. And I think the reason why they were able to offer that hope was because they believed that God was on his throne, that he was all powerful, that he had created the future and would walk with them into tomorrow. And so that's why I called the book God of Tomorrow. Um, I, I love this so much. You know, I think that people think, wow, this is the worst that it's ever been. Our society, the division, you know, Democrat, Republican, Hillary, Trump, you know, all of this stuff. We're, we're sitting in a day and age. Of course, we didn't live in the previous centuries, um, but we're living in a day, day and age where we think that we have it the worst ever. And um, and you you having this point, we Christians think they either need to attack, they need to surrender or they need to align. Those are our three options. And you bringing up the fact that, hey, hey, how about this? How about this? How about we invest in people? How about when we look at someone that's not um, maybe doesn't necessarily have the belief system that you have and love them and speak truth to them? I think this is so needed right now. How do you do that, Caleb? How, how would you practically do that? I think we have to learn that there's a difference between acceptance and approval. I think that many people think that acceptance and approval are synonyms, and they're not. Mm. Uh, we don't, approval means to throw your life support behind somebody, and we don't always have to do that. And there are many people that we love, but we don't approve of the things they do, whether it's to take another drink, whether it's to keep cutting or you fill in the blank. Yeah. But I think acceptance is a biblical mandate. Mm. I think that acceptance is about loving somebody for where they are, for who they are, no matter what. Mm. Um, I think that's what we see in Matthew 5, 38 through 48, when Jesus says, you've heard there was said, hate your enemies. I tell you, love your enemies. Mm. And he says in Matthew 5, 46, if you only love those who love you, 
what reward will you get? I think it's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, 9 through 18, especially verse 18, when he says, as much as it depends on you, live that peace with everyone. Mm. And so Jesus and Paul are telling me right there in those two passages that peace and love with another person depends on me, not them, because God has never held me accountable for them. God Mm. holds me accountable for me, Mm. and I can control my reactions and behavior. And I guess what I'm talking about is empathy. Empathy is the ability to put your own thoughts and feelings on pause long enough to think and feel with another person. Mm. And so that's what I believe we're dealing with here, Autumn. I think that we uh, we really want to make a difference today. We need more empathy. We need more acceptance. But that doesn't mean that we approve of what people do or decisions that people make. But real love is based on acceptance, not agreement. Absolutely. I want everyone who is listening to this conversation to really turn the volume up because what I have seen traveling all around, I mean, and it hasn't just been this year, people that bear the name of Christ, believers, call it whatever you want. They need to do a better job. I think there's so much hate because believers aren't stepping up and showing love. If we could sit with someone that we disagree with and um, say, listen, yeah, we might not agree on everything. However, I still love you. I still can have empathy with you and for you. What not that what Jesus did? <laughs> he sat with people that he disagreed with, and yet they found the common denominator because he diffused the situation and a lot of times with love. Absolutely. And... What's interesting is, um, you know, he liked them, even though he wasn't like them, and they <laughs> liked him back. Come on. Oh, that'll breach. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. And if we are, are pledging Jesus, we are pledging our allegiance to Jesus Christ, shouldn't we act the same way? Oh, my goodness. Um, this this. This what we're talking about today, Caleb. This is what's going to change the world. This right here is if we grab hold of this and believe it. So I have to ask you about what happened in 2015. It says this is like dun, dun, dun. When your life totally changed, everything changed for you. I have to ask you that question. Yeah, it's uh, it was when the Supreme Court um, uh, released their ruling on marriage equality and legalize uh, same-sex marriage. And that was just such a huge uh, day for me because I was raised by three gay parents in the LGBTQ community and came to Christ when I was in high school, came out to my parents as a Christian. They kicked me out mm. when I came out to them as a Christian. Um, but I eventually um, you know, uh, came back in somewhat good favor with them ended up going to a Bible college, uh, lived in Dallas, Texas for a while, and they attended the church I preached at and came to Christ. Wow. One of the things that you say in, in your book is you say our indifference is an injustice. Tell me about that. Well, I, I remember when I first became a Christian, and I read Matthew 25 and the parable of sheep and the goats, and I was so confused when I read that. Because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus said, 
uh, whatever you've done for the least of these you've done for me, people who are hurting, people who are broken, whatever you have not done for the least of these you have not done for me. And I was just thinking in my head, this doesn't make sense. What is what is Jesus talking about? And now I know exactly what he's talking about. Jesus takes our treatment of other people very, very personally. Yeah. More personally than what we would think. And I think he really sees our faith displayed in that. And so when we don't treat people well, that's tantamount to not treating him well. Mm. And I think that my definition of, of compassion in God of tomorrow is that everyone matters. Yeah. And I think that indifference is just the opposite. It's just thinking that only you matter and just shutting yourself off and not caring about the plight of others in the world or really even what the people around you are going through and how they're hurting, and you're just focused on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think God can bless that kind of that attitude. I don't even know if that attitude is really saving faith. I think that's misappropriation of Christ's blood on the cross if he died for everyone. So if you've just joined us, we're speaking with Caleb Coltenbach, and he is has written this incredible book, which I I believe, I know, is so timely. It is for right now. It's called The God of Tomorrow, How to Overcome the Fears of Today and Renew Your Hope for the Future. This is a book I believe that every um, believer needs to pick up. They need to spend some time there. Because as much as I think we we want to believe that we are non-judgmental and <laughs> loving and full of hope and things like that, I, I have seen firsthand that the perception is that we're not. And um, the perception is that we just hate anyone that does not agree with our positions on things. Um, and so this book, you need, you need to pick up, you need to let it marinate. And, you know, sometimes we're easy to say, yes, we agree, or yes, we believe that we're supposed to love everyone like Jesus did, but are you actually doing it? Because I'm telling you guys, bold truth here. We're not, we're not doing as good of a job as we need to, to be doing. Caleb, how would you suggest Christians handle this issue um, when they are talking to their gay friends or their gay neighbors? Um, How how do we handle this issue in a way that represents Jesus? I think that's a great question, and this is not a a selfless promo or anything, but I I wrote about a ton of that in my first book, uh, Messy Grace. Mm. Um, how a, and the subtitle I really love it. It's how a pastor with gay parents learned to love others without sacrificing conviction. And um, the the big issue with me becoming a Christian with my parents was not only because they hated Christians; it was because I told them that uh, I believe what I believe today that God designed sexual intimacy for the expression of marriage between a man and a woman. But I also told them that a theological conviction is never a catalyst to devalue another person. Mm. That if anything, our beliefs should drive us to love people more, mm-hmm. not run from them. Okay, I've got to talk to you about the political pulpit thing. We talk about uh, political pulpits. What would you say pros and cons to pastors preaching about politics? And what what should Christians do? What What is your angle on that? 
Well, my angle would be, um, you know, pretty simple. I, uh, I think Jesus said it well. You know, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. Uh, I don't think that Jesus and his followers wanted the main focus to be on mm. the politics of the controlling nation of that day. They wanted their focus on the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so I think that we have to talk about things in the political arena, but I think we can do it without sounding political. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we need to master, because we are in such, a, unfortunately, a, a, an extremist age where people think you only have a voice if you're an extremist. Uh, kind of like what you were talking about, Trump, Hillary, you know, mm-hmm. this view, that view. Mm-hmm. You've got to be all the way on the right or all the way on the left. And if you're in the middle, people don't think that you have any kind of a, a voice. And that's just not the truth. So I think that we have to talk about political things without endorsing candidates. Um, but I think, again, we can do that without um, getting political. We can talk about the sanctity of life. Yeah without talking about a bill. We can talk about the importance of, of healthy uh, marriages and families. I think that we can talk about the immigration issue without mm-hmm. people even realizing that we're talking about the immigration issue. We can talk about the importance of law, but we can also talk about the importance of the intrinsic value that people have yeah. uh, endowed to them by their creator. So, I mean, that's what that's what I think when it comes to politics. We we have to talk about it because, let's face it, the kingdom of God is a political kingdom. There's a king, there's an agenda, and there are servants. And so we do have to talk about politics, but we can do it in a way that doesn't um, alienate people on purpose. Because I think that the gospel is offensive enough, um, <laughs> And I think you would agree, yeah. but I don't think that means we have to be offensive. Mm-hmm. I think that we set up the ball uh, so that Jesus can come in and, and tee it off. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think we can do here. I was asked several questions very recently about what I thought about politics and this and that. And, you know, my response was, listen, I don't agree with anyone about everything that they do. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I am my own person. I have my own beliefs based in, in scripture. And but policy, there's different policies that I will talk to you about, such as the sanctity of life. Um, you know, that is very, very clear in scripture. You want to talk to me about that policy? Absolutely. All day long, I'll talk to you about the value of life and what that means. Um, but I think too often we are we we almost will preach politics more than the gospel of Jesus. And in our social climate that is so drawn to politics, we're forgetting to preach the gospel as loud as we're preaching our our political agenda. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that because there are some people who have become so married to the American political system that they cannot imagine God mm. without the American political system. And they cannot imagine that anything good would be done without um, a candidate, without a bill being passed or anything like that. And, you know, while I am very, very glad for people who are passionate about politics and I have friends who are, I have friends who are pastors in Dallas, Texas who are, um, but I just go about it from a different way, mm-hmm. and I don't think that it's a, a, a weak way or anything like that. 
Um, I think that it's strategic. And I think we live in a time, as you have said several times, where we have to be more strategic. Like you, I'm very passionate about the sanctity of life, and I will talk about that all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to do it in a strategic way. Yeah. I mean, Jesus did not preach the gospel to Nicodemus in John 3 in the same way that he did to the woman at the well in John 4, mm-hmm. because they were different people. Yeah. Paul did not preach to the philosophers in Acts 17 in the same way that he did to the Sanhedrin in Acts 22. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even get to Jesus until the end of his sermon in Acts 17. There are some people uh, who are Christians who, if they heard Paul's message today, would probably say, well, he's seeker-sensitive. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. I mean, I, I guess the strategy is seeker-sensitive, and, you know, count me guilty. But Paul builds, spends so much time building up common rapport with people, with the philosophers that he gets them to the point where they're leaning in and they're ready to hear about Jesus. And so mm-hmm. I think that we need to be strategic in how we go about these things. We yeah. need to have that same strategy, especially in today's age, because I think we are moving to more of an Act 17 setting mm-hmm. than what we realize. And I think that in 10 years, the landscape of churches and what churches people are engaging and attending will be dramatically different than they are today. Wow. Amazing thoughts. Okay. We're over time, but I have to ask you this one question. Uh, there was one last question that actually was on the sheet that you, that was suggested questions. What, what do you, what do you do with um, respect for leaders um, in that, that are our political leaders in, in our world today? Um, you, you talk about respect and how it's important that you respect them. Can you, can you elaborate on that? <clears throat> Even though you, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, go absolutely. For it. In first Peter two, Peter's writing to the first century Christians who are under the imperial rule of Nero, which, you know, Nero was just a really bad emperor and just really bad. It made, it made Kim Jong, it makes Kim Jong-un looks like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how bad this guy Yeah, is. he was bad. And yet, in First Peter 2, Peter says, um, you know, honor the emperor, respect the emperor. Um, Paul says a similar thing in Romans 13. Again, Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. And I think that part of our respect for our political leaders is that even though we may not like the person, we respect the position. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't air our opinions, that doesn't mean that we don't um, refuse to criticize. We need to do that. We need to stand up for injustices. We need to feel free to be able to question decisions mm-hmm. and uh, what people are doing and even call into accountability the integrity of our leaders. But we do not personally attack mm-hmm. our leaders. And, I, you know, people are like, well, what's the difference? And I, and I say to people, don't give me that. You know exactly what the difference is. Go on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Twitter is so... It's so harsh. I have to like take a break from Twitter because I'm like, oh my goodness, we need to put Jesus back in Twitter somewhere. It's yeah, bad. absolutely. <laughs> and and I'm and I'm saying this as much under um, Trump's presidency as under Obama's presidency mm. because Obama got a lot of the same treatment. Mm. And I don't agree with either either president on everything that they um, are doing or did and decisions. But at the same time, even though that I will criticize uh, a decision or something like that, I will not stoop to personally attacking mm-hmm. an individual because I don't know what it's like to walk in their shoes. I don't know what they're going through. And I think that part of my worship to God 
is my respect of the leadership and the authority he's put in place. I mean, isn't isn't this the same God who says in Acts two, uh, in Daniel two twenty through twenty two, that I make I raise kings up and I take them down. Yeah. I set the times and the seasons. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, I really think that our respect of our leaders it doesn't negate the stance that we need to take, but our respect of our leaders equates to a reverence of God and worship of God and really our, our faith in God. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think we can respect the positions of authority, even though we may not like the individual. I thought, I feel like we have totally lost this art of respect. Um, you can totally disagree with someone um, and yet still respect them. You can, you can do that <laughs> because of their position, because of their authority. Um, I, I think we've all lost, lost the art of that. And we, we need to bring it back. Caleb, you know what? Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your heart and your thoughts with us. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys for listening. Go pick up this book, God of Tomorrow, How to Overcome the Fears of Today and Renew Your Hope in the Future. His name is Caleb Coltenbach. I hope I'm getting that right. You can reach him at uh, Caleb Coltenbach with a K uh, dot com. Look him up and get also get his book, Messy Grace. I think that's another one that we need to read um, as believers. Uh, thank you so much. You can find me right back here tomorrow on the Autumn Mile Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.